Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Hi, everyone. You're listening to District Durkas. Durka Durka, Muhammad Jihad. So a Durka from Yemen, that's me, Sama, and a Durka from Algeria, Lilia. Aloha. We live in the District of Columbia, and we get together every week to decipher the Middle Eastern experience in the capital of the United States. Our topics include feminism, sexism, terrorism, absolutism, atheism, monotheism, socialism, etc., and all the prisms and schisms in between. So today is Woman's Day. So happy Woman's Day to happy you, Happy Woman's Day, Sama. Happy Woman's Been Day to you all and all the women in your life. Yep. Uh, I think it's... And uh, outside of it. It's a huge day. I read yesterday that McDonald's was flipping its arches uh, to W's for Women's Day. So they got all these cranes and flipped the M's to W's in celebration of this uh, monumental day that the UN imposed on us worldwide. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I heard that where I work didn't give us the day. So I took it. They didn't. Okay, yeah. I mean, it's not a holiday. Well, in Algeria, it is. You're supposed to give us our day. Okay, so I my email today was filled of very. But the patriarch wasn't here, so there was nobody to give authorization. Well, my email today was uh, a list of emails of how all these think tanks were celebrating Women's Day. Uh, All these events taking place in the Gulf, you know, through the celebration of organizations like the UN and others. There was um, one like big event happening in Algiers. Um, my mother took her mother and her sisters for lunch. That's that's a nice yeah. way of celebrating yeah. Women's Day. But then there are the other ways where they have galas for Women's Day and they bring people. But I think I love that we celebrate women, but I'm kind of upset that in this capitalist market, we have all these companies trying to sell you things for Women's Day. You know, you have a company flipping its arches and then you have all these clothing lines sending you stuff about Women's Day and here's the perfect thing to wear on Women's Day. Buy it, buy it, buy it. And it's like, does everything need to come down to consumerism? Sometimes it does. Sometimes actually a, a mercantile incentive ends up uh, pushing social values because people want to expand their market. So therefore they cease to be, they, they include more to sell two more I and know. in the end you get like in advertising you get like more diversity does the money and go to women being that's the only time i want to spend my money if it goes to women who need it on women's day i mean i love women's day but i have i have issues with it i think it's necessary today but i would like to see women's day disappear as women actually become equal citizens which is not yet the case, so... I mean, the day. you know, just having Women's Day as an official holiday to celebrate women almost tells you that women are not celebrated as equals. That's why it's important, because we're still not out of the woods. So... And it's been and it's been a fight, so it needs to be acknowledged. So what do you Even usually so superficially, do? Even so besides take your day off on Women's Day? Which I don't just do on Women's Day. Yeah, <laughs> but, but what do you do to... I call my mom, I call my grandmother... So what I would I like... I go to the spa. No, I don't. <laughs> That'd be nice, huh? So what I'd like to see on Women's Day is celebration of women who inspire us. In a sense, that's what a lot of people do. 
Um, I would like to see that kind of as an everyday thing, but it's not at the moment. But it, it's gaining momentum a little bit, at least in some countries. Like it's less okay to be completely a sexist asshole. Okay. So. But I think it'll that's what I mean regardless. That by the Until women are, you know, educated and given the opportunity mm-hmm. to have their own money, uh, I think it'd be really difficult for us to see women as equal citizens because in a, in a huge part of the world, women are second class citizens. Yes. And But that's why I don't knock out even the capitalistic way of... Because there are, you know, some people will look at the McDonald's and ask and then even though it's by way of shittiness, mm-hmm. McDonald's, they're still the symbol. Well, people it's integrate not, people it's growing not just, up. It's not specifically McDonald's. What I'm saying is that unfortunately in the US, everything becomes, you know, what's the next holiday that we got to market so that we sell more products, for example. But selling more products means you think people are worth selling and then... No, I mean, it, those things also exist on Valentine's Day. Exactly, but the collateral like, of this is having more women included in pop culture and then it's you having hope different, i hope so but that's, but that's not a guarantee that's how it happens like for instance in france and even here you see france was a little late to the party for that but because you want to sell to other minorities african-americans or hispanics or whatever uh, arab american probably not i haven't seen that yet no. you include them in like an advertising for cereals or you put them in the movie because you want to sell something so it, it goes from a very cynical mercantile but then Whoever grows up in a in, in the generation that is used to diversity, can I do a well, little sidetrack? It'll real quick. It'll change the culture. In the end, it comes from like a bad intention of just wanting to sell stuff, but then it changed the landscape, like the visual landscape of people. Permission Which is not to, to sidetrack say it's a solution. Yes, go ahead. So there was this girl that they picked up for like Cosmo Girl or something that wears a hijab that was supposed to represent Muslim really? Americans, and um, screw that. I mean, I have no problem with that. I think it's I great. Do. It's more inclusive. Hijab no, it's more is, inclusive. No, if they're going to bring the default Muslim girl, I'm a no. Muslim girl. I'm not veiled, so do not impose. It's not the that default, but having someone like that is more inclusive. It's not of inclusive of what of being religious because that's being not so outside of the white girl. To being Muslim. Of being outside well, of the I'm white girl. I'm not a box. white girl per se. Like One socially, minute, hold it. I'm not done with my interjection. So go here ahead, we go. They hired this girl. They bring her in. They do this ad with her, and then they they pretty much drop her because she had previously tweeted or said something that was anti-Israel uh, and in support of the Palestinians. So she, she got dropped and then she was made to apologize about her comments. Uh, now, on the other hand, people like Gal Gadot is never dropped from anything because of her political comments or anything like that. And so that double standard yet still exists. So on your mention of Arab Americans or Muslim Americans, that girl kind of came to my mind of attempts to celebrate um, just diversity and it still, it still fails though. Because, you know, you'll take tokenism until you make it into mainstream. Like other cultures started as yeah, tokens and then they break through. Before. And you can't even do the token thing because like models are models. Like how many models are actually scrutinized for what they say? Like how many models are actually, uh, how many models do we look into their political opinions or backgrounds Some and then the, drop yeah. them? You yeah. know, like, I feel like she was treated inf- unfairly. Well, she's still, she's still part of a Sean Dupont minority. That doesn't change. Yes. And she was being used. She was, but then she was dropped for her political opinions when other models are never really checked for their political opinions or anything like that. The thing is, if we are going to drop people for their political opinions, I'm all for it, but, but do it to everyone. But this is not about being a woman. This do is it like, to everyone. This is political. This is not about her being a woman. She would have been a man. She would have been yeah, shunned the same Yeah, but had she, way. I think, had she not worn the headscarf and looked more... 
like of the norm i think nobody would have peeked into her background who has some views that are clearly defined by this country's foreign policy are going to have some setbacks in their career i think that in america today and you have to be pretty established in order to tackle some subjects so i think in america today wearing a headscarf becomes a political statement it wow. always was. Yeah, but today Whether in specifically. Land, it always is political. It's either implying that this is what Muslims look like or in Durka countries, it's, it's a vector of patriarchy and sometimes it's so internalized, it's confused as a choice. I actually think that women who choose to wear it in the US in post 9-11 time are brave because they're saying I'm different and I will be who I am. I don't think they're saying I'm different. I think they're saying Saudis have money and we can... No, I think it's not fair because not neither bigoted. one of I'm, us is wearing a headscarf, so we can't I'm speak Muslim for them. I'm Muslim and I know what's going on. Like, I, to me, being but Muslim is not the But I can't speak for another woman. Exactly. To me, it's like cutting off the conversation that we should be having as a community on the veil, but it's taken from us and it's become the default visual no, but for if being a, woman, a Muslim. If a woman chooses to veil, it is her choice. And I applaud her I was, for making her being own brave choice Being brave has nothing to do with herself. putting a, a scarf on. I think it's it takes it's being not. brave. After 9-11, when I was called a terrorist, I wasn't wearing a scarf and I was called a terrorist. Yeah, but can you imagine if you were wearing a scarf, somebody might throw something at I you, think might try to people harm who wear you, a might scarf, hurt first, you. First of all, they didn't start wearing scarves right after 9-11. No, it, they've been wearing it all along. But no, the, the idea actually, to, no. It's it's a new trend because they feel non-integrated. It's all identity based. It's like well, I think you, that's opinion. It's almost trendy. I I I don't see the brave. In I that. I think it's very brave. It's not brave. It's it's become. See, I think just like in the Middle East, when the majority wear a headscarf and somebody chooses not to wear a headscarf, that's brave. It's wanting to be different. It's in a, in a country that uh, it's protects not wanting your right. to be different. It's you're choosing. not brave by wearing a scarf in a country that defends like your equality and your rights. No, I think it's choosing to do something that you believe in to the detriment of yourself. In a sense, everybody wants to fit in. There are consequences to breaking the norms. And when you break the norm, the there are consequences. The veil is a norm, but they're trying to make, they're not, trying to rebrand it and make it Not in America. It's being not brave. a norm here. It wasn't brave. Seriously. It was I think it's brave In the here. countries and the culture that it's still stemming from, these things are imposed. So yeah, go wear your scarf where your rights are protected. So brave. They're not... They're not really protected. There are a lot of they're cases protected. here where the women I mean, are attacked on you the go subway. On 14th they're Street, full of hate speech. And there's like a DC is not the place where you where you judge this. DC is a melting pot. Go to like Alabama. If anything, it's a way to belong. They always were here. No, I don't think so. If I may, actually, Jack, are you listening in on this? What do you do? You think? What do you think when you see a woman with a headscarf? I try not to make any assumption one way or another. To be honest, that's not even like lip service. I, it, it comes from a place of ignorance. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, like, like I truly it, don't. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, but I think, I think a lot of people try not to judge it for sure. I would say the first thing that probably comes to mind is religion. Yeah, that I mean, be it became first. a symbol right here mm-hmm. for religion. Yeah, that would be as an American probably the first thing most. But people would, would you think. feel that that woman is more likely to be targeted as a Durka than someone like me who doesn't wear a headscarf? Yes, I, I, I don't know about. Yes, to be judged, yes. I think she's immediately identified. It's a marker. Yes. As opposed to like walking normally. Yeah, as opposed to what happens when you don't wear a scarf in those countries. That's a different question. That's That's a a different thing. That's what I'm saying. I just said it's exactly the same in reverse. But it's not because you're in a country where you're protected. No, but you're not listening to what I'm saying. I am. No, I'm I'm saying that... Are you asking if the two are equal? So not wearing a headscarf in... In the Middle East is just as brave as wearing a headscarf here. Equal? 
I think that they are equally brave. Yes. You have to ask where it comes from. The problem is like we take the problem where it's DC, visible. DC though, or DC? Not or DC. Other... That's why I'm saying not DC. DC is a melting pot. It's a lot more tolerant. I would say in urban metropolitan areas in this country, it's, totally it's really fine. fine. Yeah, totally here, it's fine. But I'm thinking in places where it's really not okay. Like, you know, not to like say anything bad about Alabama. Like, I have nothing bad to say. But it was just like a place where, when I visited. It was one of the few places in America where I was really aware of my skin color and really aware of how different I look. So, you know, if I felt that kind of quietness and that stares looking at me, I can't imagine how much worse it would be had I tried to be more different and more like wear a symbol that like today is kind of considered offensive to some people. I would say a, a Sikh turban is probably worse in America especially post 9-11 like people yeah. make way so, worse assumptions about that i know but that's so sad because like it just again goes to like level of ignorance that sikhs are not muslims but they're sure. always treated as muslims like when 9-11 happened a lot of the attacks happened against taxi drivers yes, who are beaten up yeah i know but even though there were laws in place to protect them those laws don't mean anything when people are attacking you yeah but you i know? feel i i feel that the hijab is First of all, a very complicated question, one, and I think our views reflect where we come from and all the intricacies of what that means, our experience. So I don't think we can have like a definite, but definitely I am tired of the the hijab girl being the default Middle Eastern, the default Arab, the default. This is religious. These are religious people, just like somebody wearing a kippah. Just like somebody, like a nun. Yes. This is religious. This is not the norm. But yes. they're trying to make this the norm as a durka. I don't... Not on my you don't watch. Have to, but that's the thing. I don't think that you have to feel that offended by it. Like I, I am because now in every show, if you, want to sign, if you want to signal that somebody is from the region, it's the hijab. It's like the quickest way to signal it. I mean, and it's it's no, like no, I'm here. I don't wear hijab. I want my representation. You I don't chose wear to be hijab. Religious. But Why is religious now the new norm, the new standard? But I'm in your boat in a sense. Like I don't wear hijab, but I don't feel upset that there are women wearing the hijab. Like that doesn't upset me at all. The reason why I'm upset like it's is, is historical because I saw that the hijab didn't exist when I was growing up, and it was brought in the '90s. Okay, so but, it was brought by force. So I mean, I know that's what, what I'm means. saying. Like your background and, then kind of pours into this a little bit. And when you were talking about the alliances and where you can stand about certain subjects like Palestine, Israel, it's kind of the same with the Saudis. You can't touch Saudis, and now they're bringing their hijab here, and we're supposed to embrace this as empowerment. Well, actually, on that note, even no. though it has nothing to do no. or has something to do but, with women, uh, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia is in the UK, and he actually paid a lot of money to have banners of him installed all over the United Kingdom that said. He's bringing change to Saudi Arabia. So, was, you know, the minute you come out of the airport, it's right there. And then you have all these signs on cars that said he's bringing change to Saudi Arabia with a picture of him standing next to it. And then the Saudi Arabian embassy in the UK made a little promotional video of the changes that they're making. And they use women a lot to champion that they are, in fact, innovators by allowing women to drive and allowing women to vote. Wow. And now creating a city called Nemo or something like that, where the city, it's a, they're creating this development project yeah. that's going to be completed by 2030. And it's the city where it's going to allow women to drive freely and operate freely from within. And they're going to reopen cinemas and whatever. But it, this project has to do with the fact that Saudi Arabia uh, purchased a, an artificial intelligence uh, woman <laughs> and they actually gave her the Saudi citizenship. And so this computer was the first computer in the world to have a, a nationality. and Like Alexa? 
like a computer, like it's a full-sized computer. And I think they... That like she has a robot, a like just like Alexa type thing. Yes, but she was a woman. But like not Alexa. Alexa a hologram? Like a little, no, it, like, oh my God, this what is, is going so fascinating. On? Um, here. So they got a robot. Like a oh, really, they got a robot proper. Yes. And they, she's a girl. Is she a cyborg? No. Well, she looks like a robot. <laughs> here we go. Her name is Sophia. And she's the first robot declared a citizen by Saudi Arabia ever. So this robot... Sophia means wisdom in Greek. Yes. So... Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting because now Nemo. she's part of encouraging investment in Saudi Arabia. So it's like they're using all these things to kind of um, say that they're changing their attitude and they're changing their direction. So that was like a little side note that we're taking because now we have a robot. The first robot with a passport is an Arab woman. So yeah. <laughs> they can take, they still cannot take our flesh, man. They so have to replace it with metal. Before we talk more about women, we're actually going to take a little break and we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. It's Women's Day, so happy Women's Day. Happy, happy, happy. So we are celebrating here by criticizing approaches to women, by thinking critically, and by trying to think of how we can be uh, more present as Durka women in the district. Or at least that's how I feel. <laughs> yes, or more absent and do whatever we want. So right before the break, we got a little bit into um, an argumentative... Uh, contemplative discussion yes but i think that's a conversation that's gonna uh carry on longer for other episodes like a rash yes and i think that we also touched on saudi arabia very briefly Mm -hmm. and how the first artificial intelligence robot with a citizenship is a saudi woman uh or now is a saudi citizen or a woman robot with a saudi i don't know how to explain it's really hard for me yeah well didn't build it i'll i guarantee i guarantee you that well, I don't think they built it. Exactly. That's foreign expertise, as per usual. I mean, you go the entire country's run <laughs> on foreign experience. Um, so just to remind you guys that you're listening to District Durkas. Durka Durka, Muhammad Jihad. A Durka from Yemen, that's me, Sama, and a Durka from Algeria, Lilia. Haloha, here on Full Service Radio. Exactly. We are here live every Thursday at 2 p.m. and we talk about the Middle East Middle Eastern experience in the capital of the United States. Our topics include feminism, sexism, terrorism, absolutism, atheism, monotheism, socialism, etc. And all the prisms and schisms in between. So I would like to ask you a question. Yeah. What was a moment where you felt empowered as a woman in your life? Like a moment where just in celebration of Women's Day, I'm, I tried to think at home of a personal experience where I learned what it's like to be a strong woman. And so I kind of want to ask you what you think, like what an, a personal experience that helped shape you. Um, well, I don't think, did we ever have a choice? I mean, we were born women and we had to be strong day one. Yes. Uh, and victimized at the same time. But um, the first time you asked me this question, can I give my 
Anyway, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, give no. Go ahead. Go we, ahead. We, yesterday Let's we do got stream lost. Stream of consciousness. Yes. Yesterday she asked me the question. Like I think we should talk about the first time we got empowered and celebrated our womanhood. And I was like, oh, the first time we got a vibrator. And then she was like, what are you talking about? Anyway, um, I guess being a woman growing up was a bit like what we were talking about identity and you know being sovereign and moving the status quo, never escaping what people thought you ought to be because of being a woman or being whatever sure and so i think i was born in a generation that still used the word tomboy and things like this like on a daily basis if you did anything that was active you were called a tomboy or in french it's even worse because it's garçon manqué which means you're a failed boy yeah, you were you a failed attempt at making a boy, which I always fought against and said, well, look at me, what am I? I'm a woman, right? I'm doing this. So this is what women do. Mm-hmm. I'm not a failed... You're not a-, a failed boy. Yes, anything. So, and I had a big brother and I had to catch up with him all the time, which was a big motivation in transgressing a lot of lines. <laughs> it's like, there's no way he's going there and I'm not. There's no way he's riding his bike that far. And I'm... So I think my big brother was a big incentive. Definitely... My parents afforded me a lot of freedom to formulate my own idea of what it is for myself. And not to prolong the Saudis, but they were the first to um, try to impose something on me by force because I was a woman. My parents, because I moved to Switzerland when I was three, Mm -hmm. and they absolutely wanted me to possess the language, maybe Arabic, Arabic, yes. Mm -hmm. So my first experience was at a Saudi school. And they asked me to veil myself to be able to enter the classroom. I denied them access. Yes. I mean, they wanted you to veil yourself? No, like four. I was four or five by that time, probably more five than four. That sounds really crazy. Yeah, they wanted me to veil. And I said, no, there's no way I'm I'm veiling. Like, why am I veiling? What is this? Wait, at three or four? Like, as a kid? Yeah, kindergarten. So, five. They veil kindergartners? Yeah. Yes, of course. Okay, that's kind of weird. Yeah. That's really not cool. But the kicking ass part is I said no. So then they kicked my ass. So you got kicked out of school? Y- no, they, 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 they hit me. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> even nicer. And they pulled me by the fountain and I was like, well, that, that looks nice. I like this fountain. It was like a beautiful courtyard. You know, those old yeah, Arab yeah. houses or um, it looks like a mosque as well. So then my parents came to pick me up and they took my side. They well, yelled at them. Yeah. They threatened them and then we left. And then I got my classes from this Palestinian woman, no veiled imposed. That's so, really weird. So they were the first one to try and be like, we're going to cap you because you're a woman. Everything else is rampant sexism. Like, oh, you throw like a girl, but like the French version of that. So when I was younger, I was definitely a tomboy and I was the oldest kid and I was a troublemaker. Like I got in trouble everywhere. Like I was, I always had a motor, like I had a bike. And I was one of the very few girls in my neighborhood in Yemen that rode bikes and I would play soccer with the guys. And I was very like a little too much on the aggressive side where like I got in physical altercations as a child and got punished and reprimanded for that all the time. Um, And I definitely like had a lot more freedom than girls my age. And I'm thankful to my family for giving me the space and the room to be that. So that was that was a lot of fun. But I think that when I realized how to be a brave or a strong woman began at a very young age in a way that I didn't even realize till I got older. The person that I, I aspire to be like the most is my illiterate grandmother from my mom's side. 
she was such a personality. She was so assertive. Uh, not a single person came to our house without her going personally to greet them and to introduce herself as the matriarch of the home. And so she was just very intelligent and strong for someone who wasn't given all these opportunities that we have or that I had personally. And so I remember when I was young, you know, I wanted to do all these things that boys did. I wanted to ride a bike and I wanted to go out and I wanted to play soccer and I wanted to do all these things and I did it. But then there was a moment when I was like five or six. I don't even remember what exactly happened, but I started something happened. And I started sulking and crying. And my grandmother looked at me and she said, no, 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 no. Like she showed me like disapproval. And she looked at me and she said, no, be a woman. And I just looked at her and I was like, what do you mean? And she's just like, be a woman. And I like gave a snark remark. And this, this moment continued to happen on and on. Every time I was about to cry or I was starting to act bratty or too sensitive or codependent, my grandmother would chime in and just be like, hey. And I'd be like, what? And she'd be like, be a woman. And I remember being like, you know, as I got older, I remember especially when I was like 12 or 13, teenage hormones kicking in. I was like, what do you mean be a woman? Aren't I woman enough for you? Like, look at me. Don't I look like a woman? And she'd be like, no, you need to act like a woman. So, you know, as I got older, I mean, she she passed away since. And um, I mean, I kind of just remember how marvelous her, you know, she was instructing me on performative behavior. She understood that being a woman is a, is not a biological thing that you're born into, but it's rather performative. And I thought it was brilliant that she always reminded me that, you know, being a woman to us, to our home, to our household, to her meant that you don't cry, hmm. that you take responsibility for your actions, that you don't act like a brat, that you don't depend on others, that you take the consequences of your actions and so in a sense, that kind of got ingrained in my mind that now when I hear the term woman or mara in Yemeni, it means that you are in fact strong. And as I came to the U.S., I realized that the way that I think of woman is the way that some people think of masculinity here. I was about to say like the whole like bottle up your emotion. Yeah. Yeah. That's I was just like, wow. So in America, Suck being a man is what my grandmother taught me being a woman is in that you you know you're you're head of your home you're you can take charge you are people can depend on you you're not weak and so i will forever be thankful for that little instruction and i i look at how beautifully it was done to me as i as i imagine she's done it with many others including her children and and kind of the the children that she reigned upon as a matriarch where she'd constantly come in at these times and be like hey be a woman or like you know she would set an example Exactly. And, and my house growing up, you know, in, in Yemen, it's a male dominated society. It's a patriarchal one. And my house was a house where we had five women and we didn't have a man in the home. And so in a sense, I kind of grew up in a house that was filled with women and they were just the strongest, most dependable humans I've ever met. And because of that experience, I can never, no matter what the statistics tell me about women in the Middle East, I know that they are strong. I know from my experience that we are conquerors, that we are warriors, you know? And so this idea that, you know, women need liberation and and all these things are things that kind of slightly offend me. You know, I, I was I was trying to think of like what Well that's true. I mean, that's one of the biggest assumptions I most of my schooling was done in Europe and they always thought I mean I had a professor tell me because I was very assertive when I spoke that this is what happened 
to women when they come to European countries and they're given this freedom and suddenly that they go wild. They don't know what to do with the freedom. And it never occurred to him that I came with the freedom. The reason why I was talking like this is because I come from a place where I was given that freedom. A lot of people just assumed um, that this was my time, that now I'm allowed to do whatever. And no, my strength, my power as a woman comes from my aunt. They all are career women. Like I can relate to what you were saying about my grandma. She was a matriarch. All these powerful, all these images, all these icons came from Algeria. They came from back home. Yeah. But a lot of people think, so, oh, you know, poor you, you escaped this and now you can do whatever you want. It's like, no, I came here with that already. So the idea of, of, of people coming from a place and running wild, I would actually put that on men when they leave their countries and go abroad. They oh, think that they different. have like free reign, especially like men from the Middle East, specifically men from specific certain Gulf countries that we talked about previously. Um, I think that's kind of, Interesting. So I, I tried to look up, you know, on in honors of Women's Day, questions not to ask Durka woman, like mm. kind of a guide of what not to ask. So one of the questions that I think is an absolute no, no is, can I help liberate you? Like, don't fucking ask that. We are, you know, to me, my experience is, is ironically, the woman in my family and my upbringing, they're so outspoken to the point where they're so blunt and so present and they're always stating what they think that when I came to America I actually had to learn how other girls don't actually state what they're thinking they like have this roundabout day, like way of saying things well I'm sure not all Durkas and not all no no absolutely not all definitely no generalizations but it was hard there's for also me. like part of being a woman that you know makes you say things sometimes in detours sometimes just for survival I know but I need to learn that I think so, I like I totally, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you I totally like missed I'm on sure that. You know, like, like no matter lesson. how assertive sometimes we have to. I just don't want to be asked if I can so. be liberated. Like, can I liberate you from your like crazy mental ideas? I don't think it would come at you like this, but definitely like some assumptions and sexism is I've I've lived it like on both sides. I've lived the expectations of being a woman, just like global sexism. And then, you know, what, what I'm expected to be outside of my family, obviously, it's not like there's no sex in Algeria. And there's definitely sexism and in, here. And in Europe, much. I mean, in Europe, to the point where there was no basketball team for women because they deemed them to suck. So I had to integrate the, the men basketball team. And that's, that's France. That's but don't not you think the same is happening in America? Like it starts with like girls being marketed to like with all these like pink colors, like, like pink. Every little girl loves pink. About the freaking pink. That is something that I identified when I was in kindergarten. I was like, I want nothing to do with pink. Give me the black crayon. I hated pink. I didn't want my mom to buy pink. I had enough of pink. So when people ask me what was my favorite color, it was black. What's your favorite animal? Black panther. I hated the way everybody fought. Pink. Now I have a better relationship with the pink. I understand that this was rebellion and I can still like pink. And yeah. you know. <laughs> Yes, but do you see what I mean? That yes. just here, just as much you're like you're marketed your you know your gender yeah you're told a story like what do you like what do you not like here's another question that you should never ask i mean are you saying that's what that article or whatever states or are we okay just go ahead. i'm just i'm just listing questions <laughs> of what not to ask right. a Durka woman where is your sword that what that is an offensive question it's do in my pants <laughs> i mean i'd love to carry one i think it'd be illegal but I mean, that's another 
question. Oh, a question that I actually heard a lot on television and working in media is, do you support ISIS? Um, ISIS is a detergent in Algeria. Is it? Yes. Do they know that Isis is an Egyptian goddess? I think most people don't even know. I think so many Isises, like girls named that name, I know are offended. Isis They're hurt. in DC. I know. They must be really... Like, I dare a, not ask her the question that she must have been asked so many times. It's a bad time for that name. Yeah. It's a bad time. Um, another, yeah. So don't ask us if we support Isis. Most people don't. Most. The vast majority of people don't. Especially Muslims who are being hurt by Isis in their own respective territories. Um, another one is, um, I mean, a lot of the questions that I usually get tend to be about dating and sexuality. Yeah, there should be an episode about this. Many ones. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you have a specific question that you think Durkas should not be asked? No, I think you can ask anything. Yeah? Yeah. You think they should ask you about your sword? Yes, definitely about the sword. How about... Um, I want to meet that person. You must be really liberated now that you're not wearing the headset. Yeah, and then we can have like a herbal essence moment and be all liberated with shampoo in our hair. I Dad. mean... <laughs> I mean, are there markers for liberation? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That, to me, that would be the constitution. Yes, that would be law, right? Yes. But, But that's... Yeah, I mean, if you look at the law, though, if you look at the law the here law in the U.S., women don't even get equal pay. No, that's pay. what I'm saying. It's a, it's a They don't even get equal pay as men. That's why I'm not even trying to pit one against the other. Like, as a woman, this is something we suffer globally, different degrees, different levels. We're all in this. Hence, we have a day. So, happy that. So, this episode is actually going to be quite short because we're celebrating Women's Day. But I hope that throughout this episode, I've inspired women to remember that at their weakest moment, when they're crying, when they're feeling helpless, when they're down on their luck, I wish they would be able to hear the words that my grandmother echoed to me throughout my life. And that is be a woman, be a proud woman. And being a woman is that one of strength. There's so many things that I would love to share with my audiences in terms of writing and pieces that other people said There's so much of that. And I think the best thing I can carry to everyone is a, a personal anecdote of how I learned to be a strong woman before I learned how to read books. And before I was inspired by all these amazing characters, I had that from my own family. And now I want all the women listening to this to remember that it is the most beautiful thing to be a woman. Do you have anything to add to that? Yes, I'm hashtag not your Habibti. No, you're not no, Habibti? No, Palestinian woman. How about Habibi? She vibed off the Me Too movement. Yes. And she has a, what's her name? Uh, Yasmin Mjali. She made t-shirts. Of hashtag, Me Too? Hashtag not Habibti? Yeah, no. Hashtag not your Habibti. You know how you get yes. like cat. Yes, cat, cat called cat call Habibti. And I call the time Habibti, Habibti, Habibti. So she's, I think she's in the West Bank. I don't think she's in Gaza. So actually, before we go, the Me Too movement really, really had a strong effect on the global community. Resonated, and that includes... Yeah. Middle Eastern woman, besides hashtag not Habibti, not your Habibti. No. What's Habibti to our audiences? Like sweetheart, like yeah. babe, like If baby. If you heard of Habibi. Like... So you'd be walking down the street and a guy would be like, Habibti, there you go. Yeah. How do you deal with that? How have you learned to deal with that, by the way? Because you could ignore it. I look them in find... the eye okay. and I give them a really nasty look. And then I roll my eyes and I walk away. But I, I have to tell you something. Um, when I was young, a lot of girls would get grabbed while they walk on the street. Like their body parts would be touched inappropriately. 
And I would always be that girl that's like, what? And you just took it. And how could you? Ugh, oh, my God. I would have totally done this and that. And then um, I think when I was 13 was the first time that somebody, you know, I was out and somebody just grabbed my butt. And the first time it happened to me, and I had already told so many of my friends what I would do to someone had they tried to do something like that. And so the first time it happened to me, I was so shocked. I froze. I had no idea what to do. I, I think I was shocked because it happened when I was near my cousins and my family and like so many older people that I, I think if I had I been alone, I would have kind of defended myself better. That's interesting. But I kind of just froze and the place, the place was so public and so jam-packed that I was just like, who has the audacity to act like that? Um, and so I kind of froze. Did you identify? No, the because person? the person who touched me was also wearing a, like a, you know, like a costume, like a suit. Like he was an entertainer for kids. Ew. I know. It was really, it was really bad. Um, but I just remember in that moment, I was like, wow, it's a lot easier to talk and say what you would do if you're not in that position. And so that was one of the first moments to like not judge a book, like not, not assume that I know other people's experiences without being there first. Uh, but it was definitely a moment that I had to take in because the second time somebody tried to do something to me, I definitely hit them back. Exactly. That's what I was about to say. First time you freeze. But then the second time, I definitely remember I was at a party in England and this guy grabbed my ass and my friend's ass. She's Syrian. And not that it matters, but still two Durkas in England try to dance. And we had our skateboards, thankfully. So we turned around and we slammed him with the skateboard like he ended up with stitches. So nice. to his stitches. Yeah, don't ever touch a woman. Yeah. Period. Don't touch a woman unless you know her and she's asking you to touch her. <laughs> don't do it. Don't touch a strange woman. Don't, so it's not for you to touch. It took a turn for him, definitely. I hope like that was some abrupt but efficient conditioning. So ladies, thank you for listening to us today. Gentlemen as well. Honor the women in your lives, the mothers, the sisters, the future wives, the friends. Yes, just but not in a pedestal way, in an equality. Exactly. Place. Equality. So thank you guys for tuning in. This Ciao. is District Thurkas. Come surf with us. Full service radio. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full-service radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full-service radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at Full Service RDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.